Welcome, friends, to Whiskey Web and Whatnot with your hosts, Robert William Wagner and Charles William Carpenter III. What's up, Chuck? Yay! <laughs> What's up, Doc? Just to <laughs> me think about it. I actually was talking about this recently, about how my children aren't very well exposed to Warner Brothers cartoons, which was a staple of my mm. early childhood. Should have taken a left turn. Gotta have Looney Tunes. Albuquerque, exactly. So I <laughs> have to get that. Yeah. They even have new Looney Tunes, which isn't too bad. Mm, I don't know if I have space in my life for that. <laughs> Gonna go OG first. That's fair. Yeah. So, going well. How about yourself? Well, I'm sleepy. I just ate an entire bag of Sour Patch Kids, so hmm. feeling a little jittery. Oh, good. Strange combination. <laughs> Should make for and then throw some alcohol into the mix and see how that goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, today's subject is on air, not live, I almost said live, but this is recorded and shown later, but uh, live-ish analysis and read of the state of JS. Mm -hmm. Those survey results are out now and people have had a little time to digest them and we thought, hey, we should talk about it too. Yeah, that and a brief segment on Tailwind Twitter Wars, which have been flaming up recently. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting discussion. But anyway, we must start with the lubrication of said conversation first. Indeed. Today, we are uh, doing the Wolves X Undefeated collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. It does come in this cool canvas bag, so there's that. It does. On the bag, it says, the price of being a sheep is boredom. The price of being a wolf is loneliness. Choose one or the other with great care. Very ominous. Sage-like advice. Yeah, something like that. So mine says it's bottle number 150 out of 520. So this is pretty small batch, unless there's a whole bunch of batches. Because um, it is batch number one. I don't know if yours also says one. Oh, batch one, bottle 300 to 520. Okay. And the label is... Um, it's like leather. Rich leather, yeah. Yeah, smell it. That's very interesting. Bougie as all hell. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we do know it's 103 proof made in California. I don't know if it is also distilled there, but it is rye whiskey and hop flavored whiskey blended. But yeah, they're uber secretive, so we won't know a whole lot about that mash bill. Yeah, what we do know, this is the only little snippet they had online that was like, it's a collaboration with Undefeated, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's basically their signature whiskey, so it's like it contains a higher Pilsner whiskey than some of their prior signature releases. And they're distilled over a 10-day period in a small lambic pot still that was imported from Cognac, France in 1983. Yeah. So Interesting. And I know that there are different shapes of stills, and have I ever been able to detect a personal difference based on those shapes no idea but a pot still is actually a similar thing the what um willet has mm-hmm. for their pot still signature whiskey in that bottle that's in that shape so yep anyway let's get to the business yeah yes yes josh that was our sound effect Ooh, that's a nice pop yes <laughs> okay it's a solid solid pour okay so Hmm. Got a little burny alcohol bit. It smells um a little bit like apple juice or grape juice or something. Hmm. Like a sweet juice of some kind. 
My nose is currently destroyed from going up north and then coming back down to our dry weather. So I may get all these things wrong, but I'm getting slight hoppy floral in the beginning of the smell. Yeah, there's a little bit of hoppy. I could see where there's like some juicy acidity to it, though. Yeah, I think I'm smelling less hops than we did on the previous, like their normal signature one. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to first do the priming drink and swish around in my mouth. Yeah, I have to rid my mouth of uh, all the Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> Should provide a good <laughs> precursor to this flavor. Whew. Okay. Yeah, it tastes pretty hoppy. Yeah. Which is weird that it doesn't smell more hoppy, but. Huh. Yeah, it's got kind of like um, a bit of a like grassy, earthy kind of thing. Like to me, you know, like sometimes you have those salads with like edible flowers in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of that, but also a mustiness for me. So it's a little musty. It's a little floral, hoppiness and floral though. Yeah. A little bit spicy. You can get the rye a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. But then as it finishes, it's like really hoppy and different. Yeah. Yeah. Different, he says. And that's definitely, I think, the theme of their releases is mm-hmm. you're going to get something very different. There's nothing else out there that tastes like their stuff. So I'll give you that. Yeah, I neglected to bring any water with me to try it a second way. But mm. I wonder if you open it up a little bit, that might give you some more diversity there and get more of the rye side. Because right now the hoppiness is kind of, it dominates a bit. Yeah. And like I said, it's mustiness is almost like, I don't know. Can't place it yet, but there's like this mildewy, musty kind of in the finish for me as the hops kind of go down. Yeah. The way that I would describe all of the Wolves whiskeys we've had so far is like they are tailor built for someone that's like, I want something interesting and I have a sophisticated palate kind of thing. Not like Mm. I want the most delicious whiskey I could get. More like I want some flavors that I'm not used to. I think they execute well on that, but... It's definitely not the tastiest I've ever had. Okay. Well, that's a different thing, aspect to say, like, we just want to come at whiskey from a just completely different area. And they're starting with, like, you know, a real beer base in their mash bill. Yeah. And then taking it further in terms of the uh, proofs and whatnot. My perception was that, like, serious, crazy beer connoisseurs maybe dabble in whiskey would like love this but that feels like such a solid niche and they're expensive mm-hmm. and limited and all of this kind of thing to it so it's sort of like if you're chasing beer guys with scotch prices it might be well yeah so it might be a reach i know that they do some like very high-end collaborations so i'm probably totally wrong on that perception mm-hmm. and instead they are going for like This is very rare and very unique. And they can definitely say those two things. Yeah, I think that it's more for that. It's a novelty for like the whiskey collector who has every type of whiskey, right? Mm. This is like a thing they haven't tried. Yeah. That's my perception. I'd agree with that. And I'd also agree like that I'm just sipping it, not taking like too much heavily. It's late afternoon for me, so don't judge me. But uh, the more I sip it, the more it mellows. I think the more that I get some hop on my palate, I start to get a Pilsner-like european pilsners where it has a little bit of like Mm -hmm. light hop flavor and some of that other it's more diverse right actually instead of being like an ipa punch you in the face with hops it actually is getting more of a like pilsner kel kind of flavor to me yeah so yeah given those things ultimately how would you rate this in our highly scientific scale of one to eight tentacles 
for our listeners tuning in now for the very first time. Where the hell have you been, first of all? But uh, well, <laughs> I was uh, advised that I should be explaining this scale every single time. So that's why I'm going through it again. Yeah. So one being terrible, don't want this anymore. Eight being amazing, give me nothing else. Robbie and I personally have started segmenting that into whiskey categories to be a little more fair to those. So here we are in weird ass shit that there isn't any other comparison to other than other wolves. Where do you put it? <laughs> or maybe we just say American whiskey. Yeah. No, I think in general whiskey, I would give it a six. Compared with other wolves, I think this might be the best wolves I've had to date. So it's pretty good. I think the others, like, I couldn't really see myself drinking later. This I maybe could. So I'm going to agree with that on both points, actually. So in terms of like an American whiskey, I think a six is a pretty decent place to go with it. It is pretty pricey to experiment, personally. Right. But compared to the other wolves that we've had thus far, this is the standout because I just felt like, well, the one, the first one was just just way too beer to me in general. The last one, I think, and that was like the Willet collaboration, was good, but wasn't substantiated in the price to me. So it wasn't like unique enough to really kind of like, why are we doing this? This one seems to take that a little bit further, and I am curious to try it with a couple of drops of water to open up. I think that might change some things, too. So six for me, yeah. would to have again, wouldn't really chase it, think it's interesting, and uh, the presentation's nice, so I'll give them that. They get a little something extra there. The real question is, is did you get the t-shirt? Not yet. I ordered them, but I haven't shown up yet. Gotcha. Yeah. I skipped that. Maybe I'm choosing to be a sheep. It's hard to say. I think the key is ordering it directly from wolves because the previous two we got on the secondary market. What do you call it? My brain doesn't work. Is that what you call it? Kind of um, basically a different reseller. <laughs> yeah. So from a reseller, we'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody who like picked some up and then decided to charge you more money to resell it to you. Yeah. So we were paying like double the price. And that influenced them not being as good. And also, like, the Willet one I had really high expectations for because yeah. the few Willets I've had have been really good. And it was just eh, not as good as normal Willet. So. Yeah, that was going to say, like, I would take my money and buy a few bottles of their normal Willet rye, which I think is pretty good and spicy. And, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the beer whiskey didn't really add enough to it for me. Not that it was bad, but just wasn't interesting enough. And this one is more interesting. So looks like we've got something there. Right. At the end of the show, I'll give Robbie's home phone number and address where anyone who would like a sample can write into him and uh, ask for a nice two ounce dram until the bottle's empty. Yeah. And then we'll also give out Chuck's social and mother's maiden name so that you can take his identity if you'd like. <laughs> Good luck doing much with that. Have at it. Maybe you'll clean it up. Who knows? Hard to say. Yeah. All righty. So it looks like we're on the web part. I've heard, I've heard this show has three distinct segments. It does. Yeah. So let's try the second one, which is about things in technology on the web, usually, or web associated. Yeah, so we'll just spend a couple minutes on the the tailwind thing because I don't really know the backstory. I just want to kind of comment on it. But yeah, it's like all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of people. Like there's always been people where someone will post, you know, I like tailwind. It's cool, whatever. And then some other people are like, oh, well, why don't you write CSS? Like tailwind sucks, blah, blah, blah. Or vice versa. Like someone's like, I just wrote some amazing normal CSS. And people are like, are you dumb? Can you use tailwind? <laughs> like, And then like... 
recently something happened and I don't know if you know any of the backstory, but like it's been really toxic the past like couple of weeks Mm -hmm. where it's just been like, if anyone mentions it at all, there's like a ton of pile on and like, I was making a point of like commenting on everything. Just like, I like tailwind (laughs) and like seeing what happened. Yeah. And then like this one guy was like, yeah, why would you ever use tailwind? Like if you use tailwind and tailwind UI, like you're supporting their like terrible CSS framework, whatever. And I was like, well, should we go back to using BIM and like write websites really slowly? Like, what do you want? And he's like, well, I want you to not support this Nazi supporter, Adam, who wrote this framework or whatever. And then people commented back on that, like, um, what? Like, if you're going to call that out, you need to like, yeah, have some sources, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he seemed like a lovely gentleman to me. Yeah. He's been on the show and he likes whiskey. And so we, you know, we keep it uh, pretty light here. So perhaps we didn't get into the potential of his embrace of not neo-Nazism. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to go on a limb and say, probably not the yeah. case, but yeah, he's got kids and a family and like, yeah, yeah, I could see maybe he like posted something a little bit political one time that like leaned a little right or something. And maybe that's his source, but like, who knows? Yeah. Everything I've seen him post is, overwhelmingly positive he seems to know most of the other prominent people in the community like he pings uh Mm -hmm. like sam selikoff and who else like west boss and like he'll just you know yeah he participates in the community and he had a conversation with chuck carpenter who is um like everybody knows that guy yeah not to be confused with charles william carpenter the third no two different personas real but anyway (laughs) uh yeah so i i have no idea what was the the flame starter there. I don't know, but I just kept seeing things over like the last week and was like, wow, this is really, yeah. <laughs> but you know, conversely having been through a gen one of the framework wars, been through the browser wars, and I've seen a few different highly opinionated, you know, people who like will go and really fight like the good fight on the right way of things, a separation of concerns, a non-separation of concerns, styled components, everything, you know. So I started back in the day and you did inline styles with tables to make your Photoshop slices work out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like couldn't get any uglier than that. So like everything beyond that is an improvement in my view. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, I have no dog in this fight, really, just because I don't I'm not that interested in CSS Aside from like getting something done and whatever way that is, is it writing out a style sheet where the cascade is infinite overrides? Hopefully not that with a bunch of importance because I have been down that path and it's not fun. But conversely, if your your jam is like styled components or some atomic framework or BEM stuff. And I, I liked BEM early on just because where we were then, it kind of made sense. I think maybe... It might be a little overly complicated now, but design systems and you know, storybook component libraries and all the things in between. And really, at the end of the day, as long as you're productive and you have some like reusable, understandable way of doing it, like who really cares? Yes, this guy created a thing with utility classes. Some people would argue with like, what's the difference between doing this and just doing like the style app attribute, right? Just as readable, you know, explicitly what this thing does. Maybe there's an argument there. It's mild. I would say it's like a little bit faster to use his thing, right? It's also a little bit 
like in the scale of a huge app, it's smaller just from like style equals display flex, right? Versus class equals flex. Mm. It's like slightly less bytes, but on a, you know, thousand component scale that adds up. Sure. Totally. So there's that, you know, like what's wrong with it? The fact that anybody cares enough to go and like fight in public about it. Like if you don't like it, I feel like, okay, when people talk about capitalism and consumerism and all these kinds of things to a degree, it's sort of like they want to go and fight and say why a certain company or, or brand or whatever is wrong. And, you know, you're valid to say that, but also just don't buy their shit. You know, don't watch their show. Don't whatever it is. Just skip it. It's not for you. Perfect. Same thing with Tailwind. You know, there's other tools available. Don't subscribe to his Tailwind UI. Don't use the tool. Go another direction as you have or your own super clever idea and be done with it. Like wasting time fighting on the Internet is weird. Yeah, I think the problem is like if people posted like I don't like Tailwind because it's because of X, like something like not calling people out that'd be fine but someone would yeah. be like everyone that uses tailwind is a fucking moron because of like xyz and then they're like okay now i'm heated and i'm gonna come in and be like yeah no 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 <laughs> like, right right like bringing emotion attached to your tools yeah it's like me saying well i only use craftsman and if you use whatever other wrench i don't even know like you're dumb because a craftsman turns a nut better dewalt yeah or you know whatever <laughs> so it's akin to that in a way. Exactly. If you're not like coming in and being deflammatory to individuals. And if I want to say I don't like Tailwind because I don't want to read yet another set of docs and I know how CSS works. Fucking A. Good for me. If I'm like, I don't like Tailwind because this guy Adam is shilling out some stuff and getting other people excited about something. And I don't like that they're excited about a tool in development. Because, again, let's think about like the impact of said thing is his company gets to enjoy some success and some people feel like they are able to be more productive and move through to other parts of an application. That's their opinion. That's their right to do so. And if you don't want to participate, then don't. And you can even say, like you said, on Twitter, yeah, I just don't like Tailwind because I just, you know, I prefer it this other way. Leave it at that. Nobody needs to come in and save this company. You know, no one needs to, like, defend their reputation. Like, they're doing a great job reputation-wise in evangelizing themselves. And if you disagree, then move on. And if others agree, roll with it. So that's my two cents on that. Yeah. That no one cares about. Nor asked for. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd like to say that I agree. But I also want to say as many bad things about React as I can. True. Regardless of whether people like it for whatever reason. So I kind of understand people being in that same mindset, but, um, so say it. And I could, I could say if I wanted to, I mean, and I'll be honest. I was like, I don't want to put a hundred classes on something. This doesn't make any sense to me. What the hell is the point? And then later being on a project with you needing to make changes and you have to start using it and you're like, fine. Yeah, this works fine. I don't care. This works fine. This got us through the thing. Yeah. I, no interest in dying on that hill and being like, we should switch all these things because when I contribute to the project, I don't want to do it in your way, even though you're leading the project. Yeah. 
Sometimes you just don't get to win all the battles. That's just part of software engineering. Part of life. Removing yourself. Yeah, removing yourself from the emotion attached to like your beautiful artistic code base that is exactly the way you feel things should be. No, sometimes you just got to suck it up and get things done. Yep. Mm. On that note, let's move to some state of JS. Yes, cool. Because I also have spicy things to say there. <laughs> you do? Yeah. Okay. I'm just starting with it. Yeah. So I was just like going down the list of um, their tabs, basically, of the results. Did you get beyond t-shirt? Because I feel like that's a thing for you. You know, you're like, how many t-shirts should I order? What size? I mean, I want to be a medium, but I'm on a large right now. It's the winter. It's not my fault. Oh, I'm definitely, yeah. definitely not a medium. <laughs> I haven't been a medium for a while. Uh, uh, that's another, another thing. Okay. Anyway. No, I'm past t-shirt. I'm on. So I went through like maybe the first half of the tabs, but I just want to start back at the beginning and like go through them for people that may not want to go view it themselves. We can give our synopsis. Okay. Let's do that. Introduction. Garbage. I'm skipping that. Like Data Explorer is the first real thing. Just kidding, Sacha. (laughs) Okay. So it's like it lets you choose a few different fields i guess Mm -hmm. to kind of compare i think the point is seeing like age or amount of experience or Mm -hmm. what type of education you have and gender and race and stuff and like what your compensation could be or i guess you could look at like company size and like race and stuff like that yeah so you're in demographic demographics or data explorer as a whole Oh, I'm looking at demographics. I didn't see there were other things there. So I guess you can see everything in this. Okay. Yeah. So Data Explorer will start to like have you tweak things specifically. But I think demographics is a great place. Oh, this is complex. Yeah. We should just start with demographics and kind of roll through that a little bit because there are some clear biases here in unintentional, but you'll see that the majority... And I mean, that's only 11% out of the entire, but the majority are from the United States who speak English, who have the age, the average age of those who answered said thing is 25 to 34. So again, like talking about some of the spikes in the time that our industry has grown. So I think years of experience speaks to that too. And if I'm going too fast through some of this, or do you want to like pin on any one of these things, let me know. But I just wanted to like do a swoop through this tab first and then maybe talk about it specifically. Yeah. I don't know, you know, how many things you're going through or if you want to look at differences in the demographics, like, so I'm on the demographics tab and I'm just kind of going through each table and just like highlighting. So like the majority of each one, and then we can kind of circle back, but sure. Looks like most people did get a degree in a related field, actually. Mm-hmm. And most 70% of respondents are men. And uh, let's see here, percentage. And then ethnicity is 50 plus percent white. So again, some very assumed trends in our industry, although yeah. constantly evolving, of course, but still pushing to that, skewing to. Yeah, you can also like take these out of context a bit because like if you look at uh, gender and yearly salary, you can see in the more than 200,000, 93% is male, Mm -hmm. but that's the case for all of the things except for 
I work for free has a little bit less percentage. So like it can sound really bad of like, oh, men make a lot or whatever. But the key thing is just there's way less women. Right. Well, you I was going to say you need a, a couple of different data points on that, because I think the first thing I would look at at folks making over 200,000 is what's the average experience level there and how, you know, so how many years have they been in the industry? Well, we can look at that. Yeah. So there you go. That's my question there is how many years have they been in the industry? And I think that speaks to a lack of diversity even like 10 years ago easily. And then beyond that, it would get even more so. So usually, obviously, salary attached to experience and level. And I know we live in a crazy world right now where people three to five years can be considered a senior engineer. I personally struggle with that on a lot of levels, not based on aptitude or intelligence or whatnot, but more about like, what have you experienced? And not just productivity and code knowledge, but um, how you can influence your team, how you can be a mentor, how you can analyze situations and know that like three out of five paths can lead to this versus this, that kind of thing. So it's usually like, have I seen it? Have I had some experience around there? And does that wisdom inform my decisions moving forward? Yeah, for sure. So looking at the years of experience, it's hard to say exactly because they're Columns are six to 10 years and then 11 to 20, Hmm. but it looks like around probably 10 years or so of experience is like you might be able to make 200K in general. I think that's reasonable. I think. I mean. So then like, let's see years of experience versus gender. So that is, let's see. Well, it's kind of similar per gender. Like how many respondents within all of this who have 10 plus years experience are not male. That is the way to say it. Not male. Um, So if you can bundle up, just not male, exclude, not listed and not male. And then can you do that? I don't know. I just really, I thought we were doing a lot. I don't think it doesn't have complex filtering. Yeah. I bet they have an API and we'll have to come back at that. Because it would be interesting to do some cross-filtering along those and then look at a percentage of all respondents. My assumption would be, and perhaps that's a problem already, is that folks with 200,000 plus, most would have 10 plus years experience. And at that point may be predominantly male. That's my assumption. Could be wrong. I do feel like we're trying to make strides. I feel like... Just in general, the openness of engineering culture has improved. Mm-hmm. Some recognition of past past mistakes are there. So like the intent to do better and be more inclusive and hopefully makes that more encouraging from an education standpoint when folks are looking at either making a career change or what career they want to have that like this comes up more as, a, as an option. Yeah, I think in general, everything is becoming... There's less resistance on all fronts. Like you don't have to have a CS degree, whereas they might have looked at that before. You don't have to have had like previous experience necessarily. Like you can just kind of do a boot camp and jump in or like, you know, there's so much demand that like it's becoming more uh, open because of that. You can't be as picky and like we're trying to get it like it'll even out eventually. But like it'll take a long time because as you said, like it's heavily stacked 
from the beginning. So unless all those people like die or get fired, it's going to stay that way for a while. Right. Right. But as time goes by and as more and more folks are hired in for engineering and incentivized to consider it as a career and better education and all of those things. So hope, you know, fingers crossed. But yeah, I just think that's possibly an interesting data point. I mean, when this came out, I glanced at it. Um, what was it? Maybe a week or two ago, but I didn't really dig much into it. I mostly went to see if our podcast made it, which it didn't. So we suck. No. And uh, hey, I know I put it in. Did you put it in? I did. There we go. We got two votes. Definitely got two votes. So they're not showing all the info. Cool. So that covers demographics, or do you have any more to add there? Yeah. So the Data Explorer, I find a little bit complex for like what I was looking at doing. Like, I think we should maybe just go down the tabs. So it's like the demographics tab tells you, you know, the majority of people were in the United States, spoke English, were 25 to 34 and had like three to five years experience and were at fairly large companies, like a hundred to a thousand ish. So like, that's a good high level overview, I think. Versus trying to, because I'm bad at like managing the data explorer table. <laughs> like it's, it's nice, but it's uh, complex. Yeah. Well, TBD on additional data points. We'll roll down the features. Yeah. So this one I thought was interesting because you can see like the percentage of people that both knew about it and have used a thing. So it's like nullish coalescing is really high because that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like 81%. And then stuff like, let's see, what is proxies are lower, like 37%. What's the lowest thing? Error prototype calls. Yeah, I, I think that's a newer one where you can say like the cause of the error or something. Mm. So that one's like 27%. Are you focused more on never heard of it? No, it's just, are you looking at the features page? Yeah, I'm on features. And then... I have like this overview where you can hover the all the things. Ah, I see it now. Okay, knowledge coalescing. And then by the size, you're like... Yeah. Temporal is really low. Because yeah. it's newer. And I think no one knows what it's used for yet. It's 14%. Promise any. Yeah, promise all settled. I mean, ratio. Okay. I think it's interesting that service worker is less than half of people have used it. Yeah. Thought that would be higher. It's interesting because I feel like it's not often thought like such a ready-made solution. Like it's not like top of mind when you're working on some things. Right. And you think like, oh, maybe I can not worry about this and toss it off thread versus, you know, because I mean the way JavaScript files can be blocking and you're trying to like mitigate that and organize that right within your file. But if you can think of some things that you could dish off that aren't as important in context that way, like, Hey, why not? So, yeah, I, I don't know. My thoughts are, is that even though it's been out for a while, it's just not top of mind as a solution. Yeah. I wonder if people aren't thinking about like maybe some of these people used it and didn't even know, like if you install like, Nuxt PWA or whatever, mm-hmm. it's going to like add one for you. Right. That's just for caching your stuff. So I wonder if people know, like considered that as yes, I've used it or they're like, oh, I haven't used it manually. So I don't count it. Yeah. 
food for thought there, discussion points to bring about in Twitter since yeah people like to talk about things. Yeah, like I'm actually surprised and pleased that Shadow Dom is uh, has a decent presence of things. I can remember it was a little more bleeding edge like four plus years ago when we decided to utilize Shadow Dom to replace an iframe setup and then that technology and taking out like protecting it a little easier and not worrying about this weird like messaging API yeah to sync things so it's a little more like one way but also way cleaner and yeah there's just some just some weird stuff with iframes oh yeah and so like not using them in an alternative was pretty great but uh yeah that's pretty solid yeah broadcast channel API don't know I think I probably said no on that WebAssembly. Yeah. I mean, all of this is mostly how I would expect. Like, WebSockets have a lot of, have used it. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What is pretty low? It's hard to, these. this graphic is, like, misleading because it looks like some of these are low and then they'll be, like, 30% or something. Yeah, right? Like, I thought Shadow DOM was, like, a little lower. It was 54%. Web speech is newer for sure. We know that. We talked about that, I think, in a... yeah. Uh, recent thing array proto- prototype at I wasn't familiar with that at the time I recall going through things and being like oh yeah what the hell is that oh where is that one that's uh, on the left purple side oh I see oh yeah that's pretty high yeah it's decent I'm willing to admit I wasn't aware the promise stuff is a little more like yeah temporal is the whole uh, date replacement thing right yeah, yeah, it's like a date time library, and I don't really know what it does. We should probably like do a sample project on it, and then we can talk about it. Perfect. Not like people that have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Cool. Well, our knowledge score was okay. I don't know, sixty to seventy percent. I am. Uh, I feel like that's where I was when I went through some of the stuff. There's a lot that I had heard of. Yeah, mostly in like reading newsletters and. And articles and Hacker News, things like that, maybe. I don't know. Kind of bubbles up with that. Yeah. That's my thing of choice. Okay, so what about language, really, digging into? Oh, okay. Yeah, this is just a breakdown of the same thing we were just talking about. Yeah, so the thing, we're, we just go to libraries next. And this chart is insane. If anyone hasn't looked at these results, you should yeah. go look at it just to see this chart. It'd be a cool t-shirt, maybe. You know, it's got yeah. some nice graphics. It looks like you took a bunch of like purple and teal crayons and just like colored everywhere in like a yeah. weird pattern. I have some similar art on my wall where I have to be like, I love it. Thank you so much, kids. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. But like it doesn't really make sense to me other than you can kind of read the quadrants and I understand that, that it's like the left is negative opinions, the right is positive, and then it's the bottom is hasn't used and the top is have used. Well, okay. So rather than like this clumpy, like can't read shit anyway, like we should just dig into like the subcategories of libraries. Yeah. You know? Well, while we're here, I just wanted to mention like a thing that I noticed. So Ember, even since like, the first one in 2016 is still in the negative opinions and haven't used, which is like, okay, guys, like, I know it's not that popular, but it was not that negatively viewed then. <laughs> like, it's more recently negatively viewed. So, this survey is heavily skewed to React fanboys. Mm. So, keep that in mind as you read there you go. this. But 
But the thing that is nice is the it was like trending more negative. And then this year it came back from like went back positive or it's still in the negative column, but went back to like the sentiments people had in like 2019. So it's like recovering. It's never going to get in the positive one because you would need a lot of results. But like people don't hate it as much now. It came up a little in 2018, right? Like 2016 had a level came up a little bit in 2018. Well, it's not up. It's left and right. So it was going all the way left until last year. And then this year it went all the way back right to like 2018. Oh, I don't know. I'm not looking at a stupid fucking chart anymore. I moved ahead to front end (laughs) frameworks, ratios over time, and it has a 2016 to 2022. And while it's a downward trend for the most part, it looks like, okay. And so this is, um, yeah, retention interest. So the all three ratio over time, and it was at a 2016, it went down, came back in 2018, a downward trend from there. And as far as that aggregation, it looks like a still downward trend from last year. But that's retention. So it was 21% last year. No, no, it's all three together. The ratios over time, retention, interest, usage, and awareness. No. Oh, you no, know, you're right. You're right. I think it's selected retention. Yeah, it, that's default. Yeah. So the retention is bad. So interest goes from 11.6% last year to okay. 13.4% this year, or 2021 to 2022. It's 2023 now, but you know what I mean? I'll concede that, but I'm not sure you can hang your hat on that one. So No, no. I'm just saying that like that is just a small win for me because React goes down. Yeah. Let's see, from 48 to 47. So suck it, React. <laughs> <laughs> Which would make sense to me in general because I think React independently is not a great application framework, right? Right. It's not intended to be a framework. It was released as a V a view library that has been askewed from that path, either forcibly on a developer side. And conversely, as they iterate through versions, they've started to do way more with it than was kind of intended. Yeah. So, you know, like the fact that it might, might drop a bit, and then when you start to look at things like the the overall actual application framework and you have things like Next.js, like, then it's going to kind of do better. It should, because this is a way to deal with it that makes more sense, really. Right. So with that in mind, if you go back to that first libraries tab and scroll down past the crazy graph, there is a library tier list, mm-hmm. which shows you like all the stuff that's like really high, great ratings. And then you have like ABC for like Mm -hmm. the next ones or whatever. So the stuff that everyone's really happy with is like Vite is 98%, Vtest 97, ESBuild 95, Playwright 95. I can't tell what this is. Some kind of testing library, but it's cut off. I think it's just called testing library or something. I don't know. Maybe PMPM's 92, TSC 90%, Next.js is in there 90%. And then Svelte is the only like... UI framework that's in that like really high tier. Yep. And then React, I like, I imagine React was in that high tier a year or two ago. And now they're in like A. Yeah. Like all the things that we kind of think of as like everyone learned within the last five years or so is like React, Jest. I don't know what else. Like, I guess those are the main, main like Facebooky things, but like NPMs in there, Cypress is in there. Like 
not that they're legacy, but they're like a thing that big enterprise apps are probably using now. So it's that's become not cool mm. because it's like so ingrained. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that's why they're down a little. And then, yeah, Nuxt is an A as well. I think Nuxt should be up higher. I don't know what people didn't like about Nuxt. It's like does it just as much for you as Next, in my opinion. It's just that view isn't as high either, right? Yeah, view is a little lower. And so like maybe it's just view adoption is lower. I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say. Yeah. Angular is down in C. Yep. Ember is not even on here. I guess Ember got a D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, Cypress in an A and Playwright in an S, whatever that means. Like, super cool. Way better than A. Yeah. Like, should use. I don't know. <laughs> I have found it pleasant more recently. So, in doing a sort of Pepsi challenge between the two, I have found it fairly straightforward and pleasant. So, that's good. Yeah. If people listen to the episode that comes out in a couple of days, it, uh, well, you'll have already listened to it when you hear this one, but yep. <laughs> we'll discuss that more. I like how every mobile and desktop, whatever framework is or library wrappers is B and C or below because they all suck. They might be better than some or, you know, give you a window in, but they're all pretty hard to use. I think, I don't know. I think they're all. Yeah challenging in their own ways so i think this is very telling to see webpack at the very end of b and Vite is like the highest rated thing that exists right like let's get off webpack everybody (laughs) yeah you know it was a trusted friend for a while and it's just iterative right like can you just look at the next most productive thing and move on yeah that's what i say i'm not emotionally attached to any of these things like I mean, I might have like syntactical preferences or and or ideological preferences and things like that. But at the end of the day, sort of like what's working? What frustrates me? What fixes that? Those kinds of things. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to go through each of these library tabs, like maybe not line by line, but talk about kind of some of the different things. So I feel like we should save that for a follow-up episode if we are so inclined. So you may or may not hear that later, but we should just move to some whatnot stuff because I don't want to go line by line right now. I've lost interest. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is your feelings are hurt that Ember is just not even in this chart. Well, we just don't have enough time because I would like, I'd like to go through and be like, all right, let's give a teaser. So like, all right, front end frameworks. So we're like, oh, let's see what the experience over time chart says, like react shows this view shows this, or like we don't have to go through every single one, but like, yeah, we could pick the ones we like or the ones that are upcoming and talk about why we think that is or all of that stuff. So I think that would take longer than 10 minutes. So, well, here's the thing in the future, we can always add little tidbits to circle back to. I just want to note that we didn't make this, we didn't make this survey at all. And uh, I take that as a personal challenge. Mm-hmm. Hopefully next year we can be as fucked up and entertaining enough as possible to possibly make at all any mention. I'll go on the other answers tab. Totally fine with that. Can we get like, well, at least I need a minimum of 18 people to get ahead of hipsters, Ponto Tech. Wait, where is this? So if you go to resources and scroll down to podcasts and then there's main answers and other answers, which means anyone who put in something for other and 
see what you get there. Dev.2 apparently has a podcast. Had no idea. Hmm. Soft skills engineering. Sure, that sounds great. Anyway, Angular Plus show had 20 votes. And Hipsters Ponto Tech had 18. Okay, so you just need at least 18, I guess. <laughs> In this case, we needed just 18. We didn't get that. So, Wow. I am disappointed in everyone. <laughs> like, we have, you know, enough people to have made this list. Just no one wrote us in. So I am sad. Oh, we didn't make a push for <laughs> it, right? So maybe, like, asking for a vote on this is... People do that. You know, that's how you get votes and win things, I guess. I wasn't trying to win, but I do want to be on it. Didn't think I wanted to. Didn't see us there. And I'm like, now I feel like we can do this. Yeah. Now I think we can make it next year. Okay. And if we don't, we're quitting the podcast. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, here it is. We either get on here or we're out. What's the point? We're clearly not having fun or getting drunk. Hell with this. Yeah. I also want to be in the people. Oh. That might take some more work. That's going to be a little harder. (laughs) Yeah. Because... If we could just get our guests for the year to vote for us, potentially, that might be enough. And we'll have bought them off with whiskey. So, yeah, we'll get there. All right. All right. So what not? What things? What not? Yeah. How was your weekend? We had a holiday weekend, although I struggle to call it like it's a holiday in the sense that we're given time off. But to be more respectful, it's like holiday. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. The definition of holiday is like up in the air, I guess. But Madonna says celebrate. That's all I know. I think the problem with like holidays that are meant for remembrance or like a thing that's supposed to be solemn or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like people never do that. Like Memorial Day is like supposed to remember all the people that have died or whatever. It's like, no, let's go party at the lake. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> <laughs> Let's picnic with a flag tank top yeah. at the lake. Yeah. That seemed a little like, yeah. Mm, okay. So I think you lose a little bit of like the intention, but nevertheless. Aside from that, how was your w- long weekend? Good. Good. It was interesting because Caitlin's family came into town and Odie likes to kill everyone. So we like, I basically had to hang out with the dogs in isolation for like most of the weekend, but it gave me a chance to uh, catch up on some work and finish watching all of the walking dead. Cause I've been watching that since it started many, many years ago. And uh, I don't know. Are you, have you watched the walking dead? Are you into that or no? I was until I think about like season four, it kind of jumped the shark for me. And then I was like, uh, I can't. Yeah. So I don't want to give spoilers away, I guess, but um I guess this isn't going to be a spoiler. Or no, it, it will be. Damn it. It's like 10 years in. What are you going to do? You know? <laughs> well, but it's it's a spoiler for like the last season. That's only like a year mm. ago. So like it just came out on Netflix. So I won't spoil it. But basically there were like things I wanted to happen that had been alluded to throughout the many seasons and they did not. So I was like, it was good. Like the ending was good. But like some things didn't happen correctly and it alluded to basically that these things could happen in some of our six spinoff shows. And I'm like, I'm not watching all six spinoff shows. So, so like I'm just going to have to Google what happens, I guess. Right. Yeah. OK. So you did not you were not a fan or reader of the comic then. No. And I know the story is kind of, you know, they kind of split anyway so it's not like it followed it exactly after a certain point from my understanding i read like i think the i don't know i read a handful or so of the comic 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how they were like compared to I would guess the first season or two were like somewhat faithful because that's kind of what people really loved and then everyone kind of dropped off cuz they're like I don't know, just didn't fit right or whatever. Mm. But like I may have mentioned this before, but like if I start a show and it's not literally the worst show ever, I'm in until they stop making it. I want to know what happens. So yeah. I watch all of them. <laughs> yeah, I used to be that way. And then once you like cross 40, I'm like, you know what? If I don't like this, I'm going to stop. I used to feel obligated to like finish shows or finish books. Any of those things you, you start. And at a certain point, I was like, wait a minute. I'm not getting graded on this. I don't have to read this shitty book anymore. I don't <laughs> like it. And put it down. Move on. So you're saying that my need to finish all these things has been ingrained from the public schooling system that uh, tells you you need to finish everything. Exactly. I think it is. And then I think you hit a certain point in life where you're like, I'm running out of time. I can't waste it on this anymore. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I know I used to have the same feeling of like, oh, yeah, you know, even if I didn't love it, at least I can say I finished it. Like I watched the movie Gone with the Wind. Like, here's a good example whatever in my twenties. Cause it was on American movie classics, hundred greatest movies ever. So I was like, Oh, I want to watch them all. And I'm going to see them all. And gone with the wind is a fucking horrible movie. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it. You know, it's extremely racist. I know it's based on a book. So it's obviously like about a point in time. And so you have to be, obviously there's going to be some of that. Right. Right. But like, just in general, it was also boring. Like you're terrible people. This is boring. This is like, there's nothing about this that I like. I watched it, though, because I started it and went through. I think it's like three hours. I don't know. It's like might as well have been three weeks because wow. it drowns on. And now I would definitely have just turned that off. I would have been like, this isn't for me. It's fine. Hmm. Yeah. So I've watched all of SVU. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> what, 24 seasons now or something? I don't even know. Yeah. And the past like two seasons were awful. But I was like, I'm just going to keep watching it because I've watched 22 seasons. Like, I might as well watch the next ones or whatever. Mm. And then, like, it got better. It got amazing. Like, it's so good now. It, they realized, I think, that it was dragging along and, like, brought back some, like, excitement. And it's good. So, that's why I never stopped because it could get better. Yeah, it could. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've had a few where you go, like, six episodes. In, and that's true. I think if it's just, if it's like, oh, it's kind of boring. I don't really know. And, like, they've lost you a little bit. Like, I can hang on for another episode or two usually and if it comes around. But, like, if it's just, like, oh, everybody's talking about this or this is supposed to be so great and you watch the first couple of episodes, I don't know. For me, if, like, I can't get engaged in that time, it's probably just not going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. We've been watching The Vow. I'm in season two of... Oh, no, not The Vow. We watched that before already. White Lotus. Sorry, we went from The Vow to White Lotus. What is White Lotus? It is a show on HBO Max about, like, this crazy hotel. Apparently, it's like a hotel chain, and there's just all these nutso things. That, so, like, the first one is in Hawaii, and now they're in Italy, and uh, Jennifer Coolidge is in both seasons. So there's some, like, overlap with the characters and stuff. And I don't know. It's just, like, all these, like, wacky, weird things that happen behind the scenes and at a hotel. Is it, like, a real things? No. Or no, it's a drama? Yeah, I mean, it's a drama, but it's also... I can't even really understand fully the premise in a way to describe it. But what you can say is just, like... 
you know, you've got this quirky kind of fucked up hotel staff, but it's like super high end hotel and they're responsible providing like this excellent experience to everyone. But then all the drama happening between like guests and the staff and just like weird stuff and robberies and uh, deaths and I don't know everything in between too. So it's just, it's almost like mm. dark humor. I would almost put it as like a black comedy in a way. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know. It's interesting. I keep going with it. I go a little back and forth as to how much I'd recommend it, but it's interesting. I can't say like, this is great. And I definitely wouldn't say it's bad. I would just say like, it's a little weird and interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I uh, started watching the Witcher after I was done with walking dead. Okay. So I've finished the first season of that. Is there a new season or is this just you're catching up? There's a second season. Okay. Yeah. But that's not brand new. Is it Witcher? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. So I've watched all that then. I liked it because it's so campy with Superman is in it. <laughs> yeah. And so he's kind of campy, but it's interesting. And I like fantasy things. I think, I don't know. I wasn't familiar with the game until after watching that show. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go more with this. Let's see what's up. Did you play the game? I did. Yeah, it's on Switch, by the way. Mm. Hey, did you play some Gwent yet? No. You got to play some Gwent. That's the only point of the game. Gwent is to play. Mm -hmm. What's the point? Yeah, it's the card game in the inside of the game. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's the most fun part. I've heard that from other people, too. I just played a little bit of the game. I think I was rolling off a Skyrim when I played that game because I was just like, oh, great. I want more open world, like crazy character development stuff that you can like do whatever you want. Yeah, I think I saw a, a tweet one time where someone was like, what's your favorite Zelda game? And someone was like, The Witcher 3, <laughs> because it's like, it's very similar in like gameplay, except the like the monster battles and stuff are a little more in depth than Zelda. But hmm. that's funny. And obviously it's like darker than Zelda, but like the the feel of like the gameplay is kind of similar. Hmm. Well, today I learned. I don't know. I'm still working on my gaming PC sim racer setup thing, so... Well, you got to have your uh, Switch ready for the new actual Zelda comes out in May. Yes. And which is not called Breath of the Wild 2. It's like called something else altogether, right? It's like Tears of the Kingdom or something like that. Yeah, I know. I'm like it's the sole reason why I am glad I didn't sell my Switch during COVID for twice its original retail value <laughs> because it's still more valuable to me now. Yep. Being able to play that. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it pre-ordered and I've, well, I guess we're over time, but I'll just say real quick that I also pre-ordered the uh, Harry Potter game, like the Hogwarts Legacy or whatever mm. that's coming out in, I think, February. Okay. That's another like open play game though, right? Yeah, it's open world Hogwarts and Hogsmeade and mm. somewhere else, like three places in the Harry Potter world that you can just explore. So it's fun just for that, even if you don't do the gameplay. Yeah, okay. I think I saw something about it, so could be interested based on that. They're the whole Harry Potter world. Is that Universal Studios? Do you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, I'm going to be there next weekend. Um, but Ooh. for the purposes of EPL Fan Fest, so they're doing a whole Premier League mornings thing there over next weekend mm -hmm. in Orlando. They're being Orlando because obviously there's more than one Universal Studios clarifying on that so yeah i'm gonna go show up really early and yell about football or soccer depending on where you live and uh that's exciting hmm. 
my team is actually starting to do really well or has been doing really well for a few games. We beat Manchester City last weekend, who are the current Premier League champions. So we're back. So the World Cup is just like in the middle of a normal season. It's not like the end of a season. It wasn't supposed to be. So that's a whole very controversial thing. It's supposed to be over the summer (laughs) and has been for all time so that it's the off season. Right. And it got switched because obviously it was in Qatar, which would fry people alive in the summer during the World Cup. So it was like (laughs) they rewarded it to Qatar like 12 years ago. And then just a few years ago, they're like, "Mm, actually, we're not going to be able to do this in the summer, even though they originally I think they originally promised that they would be air conditioned, closed top stadiums. And then they had to change the plan to like stay on track. So they switched it to the winter. Well, probably when thousands of workers died, they said, hey, we're going to not close this in. Hmm. (laughs) You know what? That didn't really stop them too much. It was more of a like time because they have all the money Uh, and they don't care about people's lives. So the other thing would be we just don't have time. Yeah. Turns out oil doesn't create time. That's true. Hmm. Food for thought there. There was a learning (laughs) point from the whole episode. Oil cannot make time. Yeah. If you didn't already know, you know now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe. Please leave us some ratings. If you're listening, just hit the five-star button. It's right on your screen. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.